Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody here and everybody online. Welcome. Glad you guys can be with us here today. Um, We are going to pray and we are going to get started and we are so grateful to see your faces here. It really is important for us to be able to connect with one another. And I know a lot of people who are unable still to be able to get out of their houses and we pray that you guys find connection in some way and that even this medium is able to help us connect with you in some way. We think about So many of you, we remember you in our prayers and are sad that we don't see you as often as we were used to, but let's pray and get started. Father God, we are gathered here this morning because of what Jesus is doing and pray that that work continues in us, through us, and around us, God. I pray that our time here together will have an effect on our lives and that our lives will have an effect in our community and in our world. And Lord, there is so much noise around us in the news and the things that we are hearing that would stir up fear, would cause us to worry. But in the midst of these things... You call people to shine, to be a light to the world, a city on a hill, to be an example of what it means to be a follower of Christ when things aren't going well. And we pray that we would have the courage to step into those roles, even this morning as we talk about some of these things. Thank you again for our opportunity to meditate on the things that you have declared to us. We ask your blessing through Christ. Amen. Hello, everybody. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Sunday. Glad you guys can make it. I've been gone for a while, so it's great to see all these faces here, especially like full face. Oh, some special, some new for me at least. But um, thank you guys for being here. I'm going to do some announcements. So um, I'm glad to see that we're sitting in this new cafe style. This is cool. I hope you guys are enjoying it. For the people at home, we're all like around tables and stuff, like we got coffee, which we do. But um, there are three events coming up this month that I wanted to talk about, which one is coming up this next Tuesday, and that's called Art for Artists. It's time for people to gather around and share what they create, even if it's not done, even if you're five years old or you're 100 years old or you're a painter or a baker or a candlestick maker, um, bring your stuff down and share. It's uh, really fun. And lately, 
Like in the last two months, we've been having a lot of new faces, a lot of really interesting art, and we've been able to have like good discussion about our creations and what creation means. So uh, please come down. Don't feel intimidated like you got to be a professional. You definitely don't, but you can be if you want to. Um, so that's this Tuesday. And then the next Tuesday after that, we're having a philosophy and critical thinking workshop on moving on, which is, I mean, I guess it's about, like you can say, if you bought a new house, that's moving on. But uh, it's more about what do we do during those transition points in life where we need to move on? Maybe the loss of a loved one or a breakup, or maybe you graduated college and now you don't know what to do. Um, And how do you deal with those moments? How do you transition and what does it mean and what does it look like for different people to move on so if that's an interesting conversation you want to join in on come on down third tuesdays and then lastly on the fourth saturday which is the saturday after that is full circle which is just a time for us to come and talk and fellowship eat fruit because there's always fresh fruit there but um it's always a good conversation there is there's always fresh fruit (laughs) um (laughs) so i uh welcome you guys to come to these things um, and then lastly, this place is a great place. I like Genesis. It's very well air-conditioned. It has nice bathrooms. Um, but it can't survive without your guys' support. So um, up on the screen are different ways that you can support. You can go to the website and use your keyboard. You can go to Zelle, Venmo, use your phone keyboard. Or you can just mail stuff and use a pen and write. But um, it's up to you if you choose to support uh, We do appreciate it, and those are the ways. So without further ado, here's the man, the myth, the legend, and the beard, of course, Mr. Sam. Good morning again. I want to also let you guys know that, I mean, there's been a lot of requests for prayer coming in through our email, and if you would like to send a request, uh, you can at prayer at thegenesisstory.com. And we will uh, send that out to a number of people who would like to pray for whatever those needs are. And if you want to be one of the people who receives those, you could also send the email there, or you can also send it at info at thegenesisstory.com so that we can put you on that list, as well as other things. I am going to be putting together a, a little uh, note on 2021, a little email that I will send out here I don't know, next week or so. I'm going to give myself or so just in case this week is a little hectic. I have a a leniency there. But those things are there available for you as well if you'd like to receive some of these things so that we can uh, stay connected with what is happening here. Um, This morning, I'm going to start a new series called Foundations. It's going to be five parts. And what we're going to try to do is set a a foundation of where we, the community of Genesis, want to build from, the things that we want to guide us as we move forward in any of the things that we do, that we kind of follow this uh, criteria, if you will. These rules, I don't know if I like to call them rules, but these boundaries, these guidelines that help us stay on target to what it is we want to accomplish. And we've done this before. We've changed some of the wording a little bit, but this morning uh, we are going to be talking about we are here for a reason, stealing those words from our good friend Denise and her organization for a reason, because it is such a great way of presenting that. We are, we the community of Genesis, are here for a reason. There is a purpose. And what is that purpose? And so I want to ask, 
what is the purpose of the church? And maybe before we can answer that, we have to ask, what is the church? The word church actually in scripture is the word ecclesia or ecclesia, and it means a gathering of people sharing a unique idea or purpose. And you might think, okay, ecclesia does not sound anything like church. And that's because the word church is not a translation of the Greek. It is a substitution of the word that actually came from the German interpretation of the Latin Vulgate which you should be just totally confused right now because it is quite confusing. The word church is coming from the word kirche, which meant a location. At that time when the word was translated to this, it was a building where they would lock the Bibles to the pews so that they couldn't be taken. And no one would really want to take them anyway because they were in Latin, and most people didn't speak Latin. But how did we get from a people that have an idea or purpose to a location? And what happens when that becomes how we see things, right? When Peter in Matthew 16 told Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded to him and he said, the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. He's not talking about a location. He's talking about a movement of people that would not stop. If we don't see that, if we think of the church as a denomination, we think of it as a a group who has a certain theology, if we reduce it to anything less than people who are in common idea and purpose, we are going to lose, I think, the momentum and the inspiration of what that word is. And so I want to look at Jesus's final words to his disciples and in turn written down for us. And we're going to start with Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 15, he, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So some powerful words there. I think we could look at the word saved and go a whole way down that and the idea of condemned, condemned from what and talk about those things. But we start to see here that his proclamation is to these people, this group, who has this idea and purpose that they are to go and preach the gospel and it's interesting to all creation. Let's also go to Matthew chapter 28. At the end of Matthew's gospel, starting at verse 19, Jesus again says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we we see from the two scriptures that we are to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, which includes people, and that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, which is it? Are we to preach the gospel, or are we to make disciples? And I think it's both because I think they are pieces of the same puzzle. 
I, I think that we have to kind of lean into that to see that. The word gospel means good news. And it's interesting that that word creation is included into that, right? We are, are to proclaim good news to all of the creation. Now, of course, that is including people and centrally about people, but I think it's more inclusive than maybe we even recognize. And so we want to kind of reach that into that area. And the idea of making a disciple, a disciple is a learner, someone who is learning. It's a person who carries the teaching on of their rabbi, which is the teacher, which is Jesus for us. And so a disciple is someone who follows in the steps of Jesus to carry on what he said and what he did. So then we have to ask the question, what is the gospel that Jesus preached and how did he preach it and how did he make disciples? And we see in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, he says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. What did he preach? Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. God's kingdom is near, which is what John the Baptist said in Mark chapter one. The kingdom of God is at hand. There is to be a turning of how you think and a recognition that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, Luke's book adds this to it. In Luke 17, verse 20, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that you can observe, nor will people say, here it is, there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst or literally is within you. Okay, this is the good news. The kingdom of God is here. Repent, see this, and live into it. You see, that, that's the proclamation of what is good, and that's what being a disciple entails, is living out in the reality that the kingdom of God is here and that we are, not a, we are now a part of it. So at the heart of this good news is God's kingdom. What God is doing is here, and we need to change our minds, repent, turn towards that in how we live. And to understand this good news that we are to proclaim, to preach to the material universe, it it sounds so different when you look at that in that way. It it seems so much more tangible, shall we say? It, It seems so much more close to home. It seems less something that we just leave to others to do, but we have to actually live into. And again, this is all the things that Jesus said and did. Remember, a disciple followed the rabbi so that they could imitate him. In Matthew 4, verse 23, we see what Jesus did. He went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. There it is again, the good news that God's kingdom is here. It's with you. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. I love that, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, but that second part troubles me, the healing of every disease and sickness among the people. Because I can't quite do that. Or at least, not like Jesus did it. I have friends, 
people I know who go to schools of learning to learn how to heal and do miracles. They, they go to these church classes where they are learning how to do these kinds of things, right? And to me, it gets kind of weird, just truthfully. They, they seemed detached from the world that I'm in. And I would like to be able to heal people. And I have prayed and God has shown mercy to people as I've prayed for them. I have friends and know people who have been in hospitals and in situations that they have felt prayer from people and have had relief from pain and deliverance and situations. And so there is this reality of prayer that is a part of these things. And I believe it's powerful beyond our ability to fully understand I just wish I knew how to do it all the time. I I just wish I could be like Jesus and touch a person and they be healed and say, oh, go your way. Your child is, you know, alive again. You know, those kinds of things. That'd be cool. But that's not my experience. And my experience is my batting average is about the same as my friends who go to these schools to learn how to heal. And my batting average isn't that good. I got to tell you, for the hundreds of people I pray for, the percentage of those who actually get healed isn't what I would like to be. If I was in baseball, they would kick me off the team, right? But it's all I can do. And and I suppose learning how to live into this is part of this growing experience. And all this to say that healing is part of God's kingdom But healing looks like a million different things. Yes, it can look like physical healing from cancer, or it can look like some kind of deliverance from an addiction. It can look like a lot of different things. But it shows up in a lot of different ways. And I wonder if maybe we can look at how we can bring healing to our community a little bit differently, not neglecting the ideas of prayer and God working in these beautiful ways of deliverance and of restoration and of health. But maybe we can also bring healing in some other ways. We are going to show a video right now just about maybe seeing things a little bit differently. And so go ahead and show the video. He is uh, conducted as though care for the congregants is the ultimate goal of the congregation without any missional imperative connected to it. Obviously, it invites invites passivity uh, because we are uh, simply on the receiving end of all the goodness of God, Uh, whereas uh, authentic gospel faith has to do with discipleship and missional mandates and uh, extending oneself for the sake of the neighborhood. Uh, but that requires agency, and uh, very much of the church does not want to disturb people uh, with an imperative of agency. I'm 
I'm talking about uh, being engaged in the practice of an alternative economics uh, that flies in the face of our unexamined commitment to capitalism. Uh, and when the church practices any kind of alternative uh, economics, people who are uncritically uh, committed to uh, capitalism uh, become at best nervous and uh, more than that, uh, very often resistant to that. But obviously any reading of the gospel uh, has to do with an alternative economics, uh, which believes that the goods of the community uh, have to be uh, dispatched for the sake of all the neighbors. Uh, and that kind of missional uh, articulation uh, breaks the passivity and, uh, and on the one hand it creates energy, on the other hand it evokes hostility. Uh, but it seems to me that the church historically among us has been over invested in a spirituality that uh, is marked, uh, first of all, by privatism, as though it has to do with just being cozy with Jesus, and on otherworldliness, uh, as though uh, the demands and realities of this world are basically irrelevant to uh, what the gospel is about. And of course, that's a huge distortion of uh, what has been entrusted to the church. And when uh, when we act as though uh, the news of the gospel is to be getting ready for heaven, or when we ask, act as though the gospel is about just my well-being for me, uh, that obviously robs the gospel of all of its energy and all of its uh, authority. Uh, the role of the church is to be uh, imagining uh, the political economy uh, according to the uh, witness of Jesus uh, and then uh, as we do that imagining to be uh, uh, engaged actively uh, politically and socially uh, in uh, bringing that imagination to a historical reality. It, it, it is not about uh, being liberal or progressive or socialist. Those are not biblical categories. It's about being neighborly. And uh, that's our mantra. This is our story. This is our song. Praising the Savior. All the day long. Christian materiality uh, is uh, the awareness that the stuff of our life that is right in front of us is the place where God meets us uh, with mandates. And so I have proposed that as many uh, church judicatories and congregations have directors of spirituality, it would be very useful to begin to have directors of materiality that helped people think Christianly about the material life that is right in front of them without getting fired? <laughs> well, you have to do that very carefully. Uh, and it's not without risk. Uh, but if you weigh the risk against the urgent danger in which our society lives, there are some risks that have to be run.
The role of the church is to change the conversation, to change the conversation away from greed, fear, and violence. And if you take the opposite of greed, fear, and violence, it's uh, generosity, trust, and peacemaking. That's, that's the only conversation worth having. And the church has the text that can fund that conversation. This is actually part of a, a eight-part series that Walter Brueggemann has, um, a video series. And I think it would be great to go through that. If any people are interested, maybe in the future we could go through that. And if you are interested in going through that, let me know. Show me that you're interested by saying, yeah, I'd be interested in going through that because it would be a commitment of those uh, eight times, whether it be eight consecutive times a week or we space it out. Or if you're online and you hear this and you're interested, send us a line again at info at the Genesis story and let us know, hey, I'd be interested in going through that series and we can see about making this happen. I love how he says that the stuff of our life right before us is where God meets us. That's the mandate, right? And so when we start talking about the purpose, why we exist, that we're here for a reason, we're here to take the stuff that is right before us and utilize it in such a way that it is in line with the character of the kingdom, right? Generosity, trust, peacemaking, and healing, you know, going back to the idea of healing, um, I ask from our community, are the blind receiving sight? Are the lame walking? Are, are lepers being cleansed? Are deaf hearing? Are, are the dead being raised? Is good news being proclaimed to the poor? And what does all this look like, right? We don't have many lepers walking around in our society that I'm aware of, but healing looks like a lot of different things. I mean, I've seen marriages healed with good counsel. I've seen lives cleansed by forgiveness and going to care groups. I've seen families raised from the dead by generosity and kindness and education, right? There, there are a lot of tools in our belt that we can utilize to bring about healing, to bring about restoration, to bring about an understanding of what God wants to see take place that isn't just about when you die, you go to heaven. It's about when you live, you live in the kingdom and reimagining what that looks like and how that shows up is what we are called to. That's that mandate that he's talking about where we live into that. And I think part of proclaiming the kingdom and following Jesus is to bring people and peace to their hearts and to bring people who are at odds with each other and bring peacekeeping and healing, right? I have so many disagreements, and you guys know me. I've shared this for years. I've had so much struggle with the church because of things that I have lived in and taught and been a part of that have been hindrances to my growth, to living into a kingdom mentality. But they're still my brothers, they're still my sisters, and I want to make peace with them, and I want to live into the gospel and not just be condemning, even if I disagree. 
right? And so it's important that we start to step into this. We say that we Genesis are part of a collective assembly with this idea of producing the kingdom. We're here for a reason. I think that bringing healing to the lives of people is part of that reason. And that's why we've, you know, given money to the teens who are in foster care during Christmas and have taken food to the nurses at the hospital during the pandemic. You know, that's why we have like an art for artists where people can gather and share the things of their life because that produces community, it produces health. That's why we've built a latrine and a cafeteria in Haiti. We are trying to do things that show what it is we really are about and what it is we believe. And I think that's important. A little while ago, I went to the zoo with my family and my grandkids were there. And you know how little kids, I mean, my granddaughter, she's like two years old, and we go to the zoo and you would try and get her to see the giraffe and you point to the giraffe and go, look at the giraffe. And she looks at you and she looks at you and you're going, look at the giraffe. And she's just staring at you like, why is your arm in the air? And she didn't understand. No, I'm trying to see. Look at this incredible animal with this long neck. It's just so weird. Look at that. But she's looking at you instead of what you're pointing to. And I think one of the problems I have with how I have grown up in church has become this narrow vision of what is our purpose. I grew up hearing that the purpose was to teach the word of God and Though the word of God in scripture actually means gospel, to us it meant teach the Bible. And the gospel of Jesus is more than just reading and understanding the Bible. I began to find that the Bible was pointing to something, but people were pointing to the Bible and neglecting what the Bible was pointing to you. Right? It's pointing at the giraffe and everyone's pointing at it. It's like going to a restaurant and studying the menu, but not eating the food. It's not as satisfying. Although I always pick what I see on the pictures. That's just my thing. And for example, it was more important to prove that Jonah actually did go into the belly of a great fish, which we assume is a whale because that's the great fishes we know, and instead of maybe even looking at the story as satirical, talking about a people who had an enemy that could now have empathy for an enemy when they see them put into exile just like they were in exile. You see, the book is pointing to something, and if you just point to the book, you can miss what the book is pointing to. We have to prove that it really was a serpent who spoke in the garden instead of studying what the serpent said and how it affects our choices and the things that we do. And I felt like this narrow view limited me from understanding the bigger picture. And I feel that that's happening. I'm finding the same problem with how people interpret the gospel and say, well, it's about Jesus, but fail to see all the ways Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. And so we want to point to Jesus, but if we just point to Jesus and neglect to see all the things that Jesus was pointing to, then we are coming short of what we are supposed to do as disciples following in his steps, living as he did. Our purpose is to embody our rabbi who is Christ the Lord, telling people to believe in Jesus without knowing what that belief entails 
It's like, let's let Jesus say what it's like. Turn with me to Luke 14, verse 28. Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build, wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you have cannot be my disciples. Can we just pause there and say, what? Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You see, being a follower of Christ is going to take the stuff that is around us and put it into use, into the imagination of the kingdom and how it's played out. And this is the challenge. Am I willing to do that or do I want to stay in a place where I have a faith in a system that allows me to stay in my bubble and be comfortable. I heard, again, I, I do this to myself every now and then, but I listen to different people that I disagree with because I want to know what they're saying and I want to challenge myself. And how would I respond to this? And so I heard a, a, a talk on basically all the events that are happening around us. And some of the things that were said were very troubling to me because it, it really was about, you know, you guys, this is the end, get ready. There's nothing else that needs to be done for us to leave and go to heaven. And I'm like, there is so much that needs to be done. That if I have this mindset of, okay, anytime now I'm getting out of here, I will miss the opportunities before me that I am supposed to lean into with the stuff that is around me. They actually said, oh, you shouldn't go to college because colleges, you know, are so anti-Christian. Now, I might agree with that. I might agree that the, the things that are being taught, I have a problem with that. But do I just now abandon it or do I step in and bring about the change? They were so glad because four times as many people started going to homeschool than started going to regular school. Is that a good thing? How do we change a system if we're not part of a system? How do we bring about the kingdom and the good news if we are distancing ourselves and putting ourselves in a place where it is not our world that we live in, it is not the world that we have part of and contribute to and bring about the change of. Jesus came and he lived a life as if the kingdom was a reality where he was and he wasn't just saying, well, one day I'm gonna get out of here so I don't really care. No, he gave his life for it and that's what he says we are to do. Give everything. Another example we'll close with in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What are his words? This is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the things that we went over not too long ago, where he talked about blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn, peacemakers, where he he raised women up to a place where they weren't being abused by divorce, where he talked about placing the idea of the kingdom above our other ideas, These are the things that he's talking about. You see, so following Jesus isn't just about saying a prayer, accepting Jesus into my heart and he becomes my personal Lord and Savior. It's including that, but it's more than that. It's about following in the steps that he laid out for us to show the world what it means to follow in his steps. They called them Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. They were called Christians because they saw Jesus in their actions. We don't just call ourselves Christians because we think a certain way. We are called Christians because we live a certain way. And so we are here for a purpose. The purpose is to embody Christ in our community and do the things that bring healing to our community. And by doing that, we are a witness of who Jesus is because they see him most clearly when they see us. John would tell us in 1 John that no man has seen God at any time, but when we love one another, God is seen in you. You want people to see God? You want people to see Jesus? Love one another. That's going to be a lot louder than just giving them a verse. And so why are we here? What is our reason? We are here for a reason, and that is it. And and this is something that we want to lean into as we move forward. If we're going to do something, is it representative of what God is wanting to do? And it looks like a million different things. I love Walter Brueggemann when he's saying we have to have an imagination, reimagine what we do with the things that we have so that it looks like what God is wanting to do, and then it's seen in our midst. Let's not miss the giraffe because we are looking at the person. Let's not miss the God who we are trying to help reveal by narrowing the view of what that looks like to just a mental understanding. Let's put flesh and bone on what we do so that people see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Father, your words are challenging to my life and a little bit unsettling. They're challenging to our ways of life. And they call us to more. 
Lord, forgive me for all the ways that I fail to see what it is you're pointing to, where I fail to put into practice the things that you said, where I reduce the gospel to a way of thinking instead of a way of living. to make it something that's just about morality and not about generosity, not about compassion. Help us, Lord, to recognize we are here for a reason and that Jesus is seen in that reason when we follow in his steps. So may you help us to follow in your steps, we pray. We do ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to continue this conversation here amongst us. If you guys have questions or comments on the things that were shared, then we're going to try and lean into that a little bit more here. We're not going to be able to do that online. Again, we invite you guys to come and join us if you're able to. And again, let us know if you'd be interested in doing uh, or participating in that series that I mentioned that Walter Brueggemann has just on this. Um, May you put into practice the words of Jesus in the character of Christ and may the world around you see that they are loved by how you love them. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.